three losses in a row. Gophers fans going ballistic and a possible QB controversy. We're talking about it all today on Locked On Golden Gophers. You are Locked On Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Uh, Golden Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Rob, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube and we're going to be doing a giveaway here. We're going to be doing a giveaway here for the Dinky Town Athletes free shirt this week. So definitely be sure to hit subscribe and we'll take that on Wednesday this week, Wednesday. So you be sure to subscribe so you can get in and entered for that free t-shirt. And then also follow wherever you get your podcast at Locked On Golden Gophers. This episode of Locked On Golden Gophers is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss a matchup between your gophers each and every week right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for the price you'll love even more. Try it today. They've got the ACC network. They've got the FS1 and FS2, Longhorn network, Pac-12 network, SEC network, and more, including the Big Ten network. So be sure to check out Sling. Now let's jump in. Now. The Gophers lost. The Gophers lost three straight. This one coming to Penn State, losing 45 to 17. But I know I don't need to tell you that because you experienced it, just like the rest of us. Pain. And where do we go from here? What is next? Well, first off, we need to talk about, look, I need to take a deep breath and put this out there. I need to have an intervention with Gophers fans and Gophers Nation right now a come to jesus moment if you will some of y'all some of y'all men are goofy just goofy first there's the high of we're going to the rose bowl bound we're rose bowl bound and then all of a sudden the team goes on a rough streak and you say burn it down coaching is terrible everyone stinks then the same people the same people saying everything stinks every player sucks The coaching is failing. The same people say this is terrible and recruiting needs to improve now. If I'm a recruit, seeing your overreactive temper tantrums, why would I want to come here? Why would I want to be a part of rowing if everything I'm seeing, or not everything, because not every fan is like this. I don't want to generalize everyone, but there are a large amount of Gopher fans, whether you're looking at Gophers message boards, whether you're checking and scrolling on Twitter after a game, or even a day after the game, a couple days after the game, you're seeing just extremes, extremes. And we've talked about this on the show, but you got to calm it down. Honestly, I saw one comment on Twitter that was perfect. It was perfect. And it was from at G-O-M-N underscore R-T-B. He put it best. This is what he said. He said, I've already moved on from last night. Have to move forward and support this team no matter what. The national programs that have built 
legacy programs understand this simple concept. Yes. Yes, that that is exactly it. That is it. Spot on. Spot on. Thank you. And hopefully others fans can take take notes and follow suit. Because that is exactly the type the type of let me talk about it like this. The proof is in the Big 10 this year. Nebraska starts out terrible and all their fans have a fit and they looked whiny and they're like ready to pack it up and call it a season and want all these changes and firings. Meanwhile, Wisconsin and Iowa both having lower years than what their standard is, but they know the next it's a next game mentality. We can win the next one. We need to pull up our bootstraps and keep going. The season's not over. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. Now, yes, Wisconsin still fired their coach, but you didn't see the fans necessarily calling for it. Yes, there's always the handful that are, but you didn't see the vast majority throwing fits. They were like, on to the next one. Don't be a whiny fan. Shake it off and get ready to support again. Now, now let's think about this too. PJ must have been doing something right these past couple of years because fans are absolutely livid and setting this whole season aflame because the Gophers aren't in the position to win it all or they're not in a good position to win it all. If, if a couple things fell our way, there's still a possibility. Now, I'm not clinging to that possibility, but they're not in a good position to win it all and fans want to just set the season aflame and call it a terrible season. That is proof right there that Fleck has raised the bar for Minnesota and the expectations of what this team can be. Think about that. You're calling for this is the worst failure in year six. This shouldn't be happening. He's raised your expectations in the bar. So why do you want to? There's people out there calling for his head. Why? That's that's wild to me. Wild. And then there's also people talking about oh, well, the recruiting and development's been terrible. This is the most gophers that have been in the NFL in years. The most gopher players we've seen in the NFL in quite some time. That comes from player development. That comes from, we we still weren't getting those top high star guys, and yet we're still churning out more NFL talent and more NFL ready players than ever before. That speaks to the development, raising the bar. We just talked about that. You're seeing the positives, but people are so caught up in a three-game rough streak and a three-game losses and tough losses that they're ready to just throw it all out the window. It's just, it's time. It's, it's okay to be mad, but it's time to move past it and support the team. Building that legacy-type program, like our friend Gio said, towards the beginning of the segment. You got to reshape the mindset. Yes, you can be upset. I am not saying you can, can't be mad, but then it's a next game mentality. Let's go win Rutgers. And we're going to talk about what went right and what went wrong for the Gophers in Penn State in order to get ready for Rutgers. What went right in this game, in this 45-17 to 17 blowout game? There are a couple things. We'll talk about that next. 
First, we're gonna talk about a moment from our partners at Nissan who have worked to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we discuss or highlight the most exciting play from this past week or from across the timeline of the Gophers here at Minnesota. Now, the week, the thrilling moment of this week is none other than prior to the second half, Ethan dropping back. He hasn't been able to pass the ball freely. The coaches hadn't been really calling his number to let the ball rip. All of a sudden, drops back, passes the ball for 30 plus yards to Lamecki Brockington up the left sideline, drops it in a bucket, and it fires up the Gopher sideline, fires up the hopes for Gopher Nation as they move on to drive and score and make this thing a 10 to 14 game heading into the half. You saw the flashes from young quarterback Ethan Kaliak Manis, and you got excited. You got hope, and you said, let's go. So that was this week's thrilling moment. It had to be. It had to be. The flashes from the future, in which was the thrilling moment brought to you by our friends over at Nissan. The segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today, available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, Gophers fans, we got to talk about this game. We got to recap and talk about where we went right and where we went wrong. We're going to kick it off with where we went wrong first so we can get the negativity out there and move on to the positives. And there were there were a few positives that you got to log, file away and get ready for Rutgers. So where we went wrong, kick it off first is the old line play was abysmal, abysmal. I mean, again, there are moments where it's okay, but it was minimal and it would be great to see maybe a fresh face out there, maybe a different combination of guys. We have other people in this room that showed they have the ability to have success or compete for the job, and yet they'd never see the field. I, it's hard for me to believe that Martez Lewis or J.J. Gaudet, who were apparently in the competition up until basically the first week of the game, up until the first snaps of the game, were in competition with Quinn Carroll at right tackle, and now all of a sudden they're not able to potentially get a look with an offensive line that is looking struggling in these last three games. I just don't get it. Quinn Carroll continues to be a liability for this offensive line. In these last three games, it's been bad. It has been very bad. And I would love to see Martez Lewis out there, whom I thought looked like possibly the starter the entire fall camp. He looked more consistent. He looked to get those first team reps in almost every practice that was available to the public and to the media. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't a thing. He wasn't out there. He wasn't starting. But then even in the early season moments, even in the games where we found opportunities to get him in because we were up bigger, he played clean. He played well. So why not give him a shot? Let's talk about Quinn Carroll over the last three games. In Purdue, his run blocking grade was a 65.6 and his pass blocking grade was a 57. 65.6, you'll take it. It's mediocre. It's average. You'll take it. 57, not so good. He gave up a sack. He had zero QB hits in that game, but he gave up two, two QB hurries and three QB pressures and a sack. A sack is huge. You don't want to give up any sacks ever, but if you do, you want to keep it minimal. Well, move on to Illinois. 
run block grade, 47.2. That's putrid. That's terrible. That is not good at all. For reference, our running backs who have to block at times, our tight ends who block often, almost consistently are in the mid-50s to high 70s for the tight ends. But running backs are consistently in those mid-50s. Sometimes they creep up towards 60, but they're players that you don't expect to block well all the time, which is why you don't ask them to block all the time. Our starting tackle, whom you ask to block every play and every down, had a 47.2 grade. It's not good, Bob. Not good. Then you move on to the pass blocking, which was a 53.9. Also not good. He gave up a sack. He had a quarterback hit. He had two hurries, and he had four pressures in that Illinois game. Enter Penn State, third game in a row. A run block grade of a 50.1, almost back in the 40s once again. Pass block grade of 57.5, gave up a sack, a quarterback hit, a QB hurry, and three pressures. If you're not adding all that up over the past three games, he's given up three sacks. He's had two quarterback hits and he's given up five QB hurries in a total of 10 pressures. We're talking about our quarterbacks haven't had time. We saw even in this game, it wasn't all in Tanner because Ethan didn't really have time either. And here's one of the main culprits, but we had two people in competition with him to start the season. Where are they now? Why can't we get a look at them? What if they step up? It can't hurt to put them in the game. If anything, they'll look just as bad, right? But there's a chance they could be better. You're telling me there's a chance. Why not make the change? So that is the first part of where we went wrong is that O-line. It's just, We have to change something. We have to fix something because it's not giving time for the offense to develop. And this offense takes time to develop. Now, point number two, the defense just looks to be lacking confidence. They're making uncharacteristic mistakes. In the Illinois game, Wally was targeted after targeted after targeted and giving up big plays. This week, we've had plays where in the Purdue game where T-Time gave up some big plays, where... Wally, I think, had one or two bad plays that ended up open. There were people left open in the middle of the field that there should have been coverage, whether that was Mariano Sori Marin, who got burnt on a coverage, or it's just people were out of sorts. People were out of position. People were not looking like a defense that looked like a top 10 unit in the nation. And those numbers are falling. Those numbers are falling. And It's not like the talent isn't there. It's not like we haven't shown against good offenses, against Purdue, against Michigan State. Those are good offenses still. Michigan State still beat Wisconsin. Uh, Illinois, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you get the swagger back, how you get the confidence back, but you hope that that turns around heading into a game versus Rutgers that looks very, very winnable. Yes, Rutgers isn't as bad as they typically have been, but it's not the caliber opponent like a Purdue, like an Illinois, like a Penn State that you're just coming off of. It should be a get 
right game. So the defense needs to do just that and get right. Got to step it up. Got to clean it up and get the confidence back. There's still players that show it. Tyler Newbin still puts on a clinic out there. He still puts on the confidence, the effort, the swagger. And you saw it in moments in the Penn State game, especially in the first half. After the interception, it's like, oh, yeah, here we go. This is the team I remember. But in that second half, just openings galore, miscommunications, out of position, got to fix it. It has to be more of an anomaly than the norm. And that is a key difference in what we've seen these last couple weeks over what we've seen the first five. Because even in the Purdue game, the defense looked pretty good besides the last drive. Got to change it up. Now, the third and final part of where we went wrong, I mean, there's probably more, but these are the main three we're talking about, is the lack of separation in the pass-catching room continues to be a struggle. Now, that said, I think our route concepts are deeper and they take longer to develop. So when the offensive line is struggling and you continue to run the same offensive play style and the same deeper passing concept or even intermediate passing concepts that take a minute to develop and your Q or your O-line is not giving your QB time to develop, then yes, you're not going to find as much separation. Typically, you'll find one check down route in each of those plays that's supposed to be the safety route or something you can quick get off of. But even when that gets covered up, when that gets taken away and everything else has to develop and it takes more time and the quarterback has nowhere to go with the ball and they're under heavy pressure, you find yourself in many errors. So why don't we dink and dunk? The quick curl routes to Brevin were successful often in this game and you might get a broken up play or you might you might get you know the ball punched out or a drop occasionally from some of those quick routes it happens but you also usually typically after grabbing these quick routes have seen six seven yard little chunks here and there that put us in a better position after first down or after a second down that make it second and short, third and short. And that's where we thrive in the running game. So why not focus on the quick game instead of all these longer intermediate and long routes developing and taking too much time and trying to force the ball in? Yes, I'm not saying completely take away any shot plays, take away the intermediate crossers or anything like that. But why not adjust? Why not take the easy quick plays to set ourselves up for better first and for better second down opportunities, better third down opportunities. Like we were seeing in those first four games, like we were seeing when our, our ground game would just pop out five, then four, then two, then five, then three, then two, then four. Like we were setting ourselves up for success in the later downs because we were running so well, but when we can't get the running game going off for four yard chunks, five yard chunks on first down, Why not take little quick throws to take the four-yard chunks and five-yard chunks? Everything doesn't have to be in the intermediate range or coming across the field. The quick digs, the quick curls, the outs, those can be successful as well. Especially when our line is not blocking to the caliber to let those later routes develop. And when the the quick dump-off or the quick bailout pass is taken away, We have panic, we have chaos, we have the QB under pressure and looking to not get sacked and scrambling. 
So those are the three areas where we went wrong. Now let's talk about where we went right. Finally, finally, we started to target Brevin Span forward more. I've been calling for it. You, the fans, have been calling for it. If you listen to Ryan Burns, he's been calling for it for years. Finally, we start to see it happen more and giving it to him early and often, passing it to him underneath. Now in this game, we started with it a little bit and then we got away from it and then we did it again at the end and we found a successful drive again at the end. Why aren't we doing this constantly? Why aren't we? He's a mismatch and it's hard to guard him. Who's going to win a 50-50 ball with him? Former golfer Ron Johnson even posted about it. It was like, we should be targeting this guy like Travis Kelsey gets involved with the Chiefs. Exactly. If you have that type of talent, if you have a guy like that who is a mismatch for every team you're going to play, now occasionally maybe you'll get one team that has a guy who can maybe match up occasionally, just maybe. But that would be a rarity. So why not get that guy incorporated and involved in any means possible, especially when you're already struggling with pass catchers in separation? So seeing that was a welcome sight. We drove the field. He got another touchdown, and it also helped up open up the passing game and open up the running game to give bigger holes because, honestly, they were sending more players to fill the holes to stop Mo because – we haven't been passing well lately. Mo's been everything lately. So why not commit to stopping Mo and prove that a team can pass? And we went away from it, especially in the beginning. We shied away from passing the ball. We had many three and outs and then a struggle. You open it up, let Ethan start passing the ball, taking some shots. We find some success. The run game starts picking up. Mo gets towards 100 yards again, passes 100 yards in the game. But as we continued to pass better, they had to commit linebackers more to the quick game, and then you find openings with Mo. So finding that quick game, targeting Brevin more often, that is where we went right, and we need to see more of it moving forward. Now, the second point of where we went right is eventually, Ethan was given a longer leash to throw the ball and take some chances. Early on in this game, it was like, what are we doing? Why are we not throwing the ball? I get it. We're in the Happy Valley 100,000 fans dressed in white going crazy. A terrible environment to have your true or redshirt freshman starting his first official game. But he didn't look shook, which is a positive. But we didn't let him pass the ball. We get an interception. We return it a decent amount of yardage back, and we get ourselves into play to score. And then we basically run the ball, run the ball, end up losing yards, third and 12. On multiple occasions, we were third and very long and would run the ball, especially in that first half, because it was like, no, we can't let Ethan pass the ball. Why? He's got the arm. You've got to let him try it at some point, which they did eventually let him try it, and he found success. Now, his completion percentage wasn't great in this game, but that comes with drops. That comes with under heavy pressure. Like, that quick game can't be stressed enough. But the when he was allowed to throw the ball more, it opened up more and it became competitive. If we would have let him open it up maybe a little bit sooner, maybe we score after that interception. Maybe we take a lead. Maybe we are still fighting and have more confidence because we're up in Penn State at half. There's so many variables that could happen, but we couldn't find that out. Now, the third and final point of where we went right in this game was using the read option. 
I had said on our mailbag on Friday, I didn't believe that the read option would be used. I thought it would be more RPO still. I thought you don't put the ball or the call in your QB's hands who hasn't ever started in a hostile environment and put the potential to lose a ball, to fumble or anything like that, or have a missed handoff or missed read. Too many variables. I said it probably won't happen. Well, it did. It did happen. And Ethan showed the ability to read fairly well with it. And in that environment, saw success and it became very key in some drives and keeping them alive. So seeing that was extremely exciting. It was a new concept that we haven't been able to have with Tanner at quarterback just because he can't use his legs in the same way. So it was a new look for the Gophers and it was a nice look for the Gophers. Now, furthermore, Ethan's decision-making in this game was relatively good for the situation he was placed in. And once he started to calm down, you saw the flashes of what really makes him special. But where do we go from here with the QB position? Do we keep moving forward with the young guy or do we hand the keys back to Tanner? Is there a QB controversy? That's what we're going to talk about. First, I got to talk to you about our friends over at Sweat Block. It is the new and improved and the, the thing to do when it comes to if you're having issues with sweat or odor. And honestly, I thought it was just me. It was me that sits in a moderately warm room and you can feel the sweat going a little bit and you get self-conscious and you're like, man, like, am I going to pit out in the shirt? Is it an interview? Am I, do I have sweat perspiring on my, on my head and down my neck and making my shirt all wet marks and whatnot it's the worst feeling it is the worst feeling when you have that and you start to get self-conscious and you think about that more than the moment that you are in well no more use our friend sweat clock i've loved it ever since a doctor created it because he was having sweat issues and so it's doctor created and doctor recommended if you or someone you know is experiencing embarrassing sweat like I have in these situations, and I know I can't be the only one. Sometimes I think I am, but I can't be the only one. If you know anybody that is having these same issues, try Sweat Block. You can use, uh, you can save 20% today when you use promo code LOCKEDON at sweatbook.com, and it's also available on Amazon. Save 20% today using promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. All right, Gophers fans, we are going to close this one off with the quarterback controversy. Is there one? Or is it back to Tanner? Or is it the young guy? See, it might not be as much of a controversy within the walls of the Gophers program and what the coaches have intended. But as fans, we do not know what is coming next. You have a handful of fans that are like, no, we need to move on. And a handful of fans that are like, See, Tanner didn't do anything wrong, or Tanner didn't, it wasn't all on Tanner, so quit complaining and give it back to Tanner. I think the true answer is somewhere in between. Don't rush Tanner back, because one, you want him to be okay long-term for his health. His final year of eligibility, you don't want him with lasting issues because he tried to force it back for this team. Now, you appreciate the heart, you appreciate the drive, but put him in a good position to find full health before he even thinks about coming back for the game. That being said, 
also our next opponent should be a very winnable game should be the perfect type of game for a young quarterback to thrive in being their first start at home being having just come off of a hostile environment having just played a top 15 ranked team in the nation and now you get to come home and play an opponent that is definitely winnable definitely beatable in an opponent that should help your young quarterback learn and grow and get more experience. I think that he would, Ethan would thrive in that type of situation. And we've really got to see what he's got still. And this game versus Rutgers would be the perfect opportunity for that. Now that doesn't mean that Tanner won't ever start again. That doesn't mean we bench Tanner for good. It depends on the situations moving forward. It depends on how Ethan plays if you give him more opportunity to see, is he that guy for the future? Or to let him grow so that way when he heads into the spring, he can be that guy for the future. So it doesn't necessarily mean Tanner won't play again. It doesn't necessarily mean that Ethan's going to start every game this year, but why not get him more experience while Tanner gets healthy? We've seen firsthand what to, happened to Tua Tunga of Vailoa, having a concussion, coming back quick, and then having another concussion, and it being way worse, and also could be very damaging for his lifetime. Multiple doctors saying he shouldn't play anymore. I think giving Tanner Morgan a two-week break, at the minimum, puts him at least in a better category when it comes to player safety. And you get to test out your young quarterback some more and see what works, what doesn't. Keep building on the read option concept. Keep building on his confidence. And you get to test to see if he can process and make smart decisions again. You already did test it in the Happy Valley, one of the most hostile environments out there. And he passed. He showed that he can do just that. And yes, there might be some mistakes still, but those are typically because of lack of experience. Nothing that he did killed the Gophers to the point where he was the exact reason of why we weren't competitive in that game. That's not the case. Our It was proven that our O-line struggling and that our wide receivers not separating was an issue for both Tanner and for Aiden. So, why not? That's my question here. Being cautious in that Happy Valley game, in that Penn State game, might have actually been what hurt the team at times. And once we finally let it rip, you started to see movement from the team. So let's get in more experience. Let it rip some more and see what happens. That is where I'm at with this QB situation and letting it ride a little bit longer, and then adjusting from there, evaluating from there. Because if you don't get a good look on Ethan now, how do you know if you need to look at the transfer portal to bring in another guy just in case? How do you know How do you know what to do next? Moving forward where you won't have Tanner Morgan anymore. Now is the time to get a look, to get the film, to get the reps, to get the experience, and see how you move forward. That's going to do it for us today on Locked On Golden Gophers. Keep rowing. Keep rowing strong. This is a show where we always continue to row through the good, through the bad, but moving forward as one team, as one dream, as one unit 
Gophers fans, keep rowing. This is Kane Rob signing off. I'll see you tomorrow where we're talking with Damian Johnson, former Gopher basketball player, about the basketball landscape, about what is building here with the Gophers under Coach Ben Johnson. That's coming up tomorrow. Be sure to hit subscribe so you can find it tomorrow. Throw the boat. Sky Ma. Go, go.